One of the cool things that God does from time to time is new and unexpected things from time to time. I am not Pastor Jim. <laughs> We're almost twins, but. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are your people. You have called us from the ends of the earth to one place, your throne, your grace, your glory, your house of prayer. And we are your people, and we say yes to you, Lord God. We ask for the infilling and anointing of your Holy Spirit from top to bottom, from beginning to end, from front to back, from pew to pew, that no heart would say no to you today in any way. Come by your power and by your grace and speak your word of life into our hearts, God. We have no life apart from you. Come in your life and in your life-giving power. Take us to new levels in your spirit and your life, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I am talking today. Oh, I should tell. There's lots of you that don't know me. I'm sorry. I've been here since, in this church, since approximately 2002. My name is James Underwood. I have been a pastor for many years but in this church, I'm not on staff. I just do it behind the scenes, okay? So, but um, anyway, it's good to be with the word of God, with God's people, and I'm glad for this chance. So thank you and bless you for that. I am talking today on kingdom come, kingdom come. I have been living the last several months in the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, etc. And that's why it's in your bulletin there in the Matthew version of it. And I have been struck and captivated by the whole idea of kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Give us this day, that kingdom come and this day part. Because they feel like they're different, right? We believe Jesus has done a lot of stuff to introduce and bring his presence and his power and his kingdom among us, right? We know that. But is it finished? It's a long way to go, right? So my prayer, where I've been living is, kingdom come this day. And I want the kingship. Think of it kingship, not just kingdom. If you think kingdom, then you're thinking end times and when will it be and we're checking all the signs. Think of the kingship, the rule, the anointing, the presence of Jesus in you. Kingdom, come. You see what I'm saying? This day, you're a vessel of the Holy Spirit. Where does he want me to bring, share, shed the light of the kingdom of God this day? Where, do, where am I broken and I need some healing this day? Okay, Because it's not all distant future, right? He has come. He said it has finished. The redemptive work is finished, but the advance of the kingdom is still happening. Kingdom, come. This is my prayer. This is my longing for us to long for his kingdom and not just do things our own way, not just live in seclusion or in hiding until he comes back. I want to be a part of the advance of the kingdom of God. So that's what we're talking on. Now, I've got a thousand scriptures. I could read the whole New Testament, and it would be better, but it would be harder to hear. So I've got a thousand scriptures, and I'm going to try to go fast, and I do not have PowerPoint because that would distract me. I'm sorry for you guys, okay? So if, if you really care, you can ask me for notes later or something, and I'll get them to you eventually. I have to write down. This is not shareable yet, okay? But I'll give you a short version. And or you can get CDs if you care about that stuff. I, I always get CDs, and then I never listen to them. So you can make your own choice. So I'm going to read it, Matthew 6, 9, sorry. This then is how you should pray, how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay. The kingdom of God came in Jesus because he was the king. I'm going to go really fast here. It was an, he was introduced as king in the beginning of the Gospels, the son of David. Who's David? King of Israel. Who's in charge? Pilate. A little dissonance there. But the son of David has come to reign or be born in Israel. Um, the magi visit, the wise men visit Herod in Matthew 2.2. 2. 
and they come to see him who has been born the king of the Jews. And Herod says, uh-oh, we got trouble. We better kill some boys. Herod asks the priest, where is he going to be born so I can kill him? And I'm telling you the short change version, the, the short version, okay? And they cite Micah 5.2, Bethlehem, out of you will come a ruler, a shepherd of my people Israel. And I'm going to skip down to the end of Matthew, his death. What's he charged with? He is charged before Pilate as being the king of the Jews. This is a problem. The sign on the cross said, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And Jesus said himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. All the I am's of the book of John, I'm going to go real fast to. But he's speaking like a king. He's speaking like he's bringing something into our lives that was not there before. Pilate knew the difference. Jesus knew the difference. And I'm going to read you some of them from John. I'm not reading the whole thing. John chapter 9, I'm sorry, John chapter 6, 35. Jesus is the bread of life. You need hungry? You need to eat? Jesus is the light of the world. John 8, 12. The light of the world. You need some light? Jesus is the good shepherd, John 10, 11. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You need some life? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You need a way? You need some truth? You need the life? Jesus' kingship and authority was not, he didn't just bring it and talk about it, but he also demonstrated it. Matthew 8 and 9, he has been healing bunches of people, and the centurion says, come heal my servant, and Jesus says, okay, I'll come, and the centurion says, you don't even need to come, just say the word, and it will be done, okay? Because he has authority of a king. He says the word, and it happens, right? Um, in J Matthew 8, 23, he calms a storm. Anyone here calmed a storm? It's beyond my uh, resume, okay? Um, he, Matthew 8, 29, he delivers the demoniacs who are hanging out at the tomb. They were freaking out, said, what have you done? Come to torture us before the time? They knew who he was. In Matthew 9, 1, I'm just doing Matthew because it's easier than doing the whole Bible, okay? So we'll jump around a little more. Okay, Matthew 9, 1, the par paralytic got let down through the roof, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, my, who gave him that authority? And then he says, okay, just so you know I have the authority, you're healed. Get up and go home. Okay? Authority of a king demonstrated, not in what, what he said, but also how he lived and how he showed. In Matthew 9, 18, he raised the daughter from the dead of a synagogue ruler. Matthew 9, 18. Raised the dead. Anyone here done that? Jesse here? Jesse is the first. Tom tells, tells us that he has met people raised from the dead. One of my gripes with God is I haven't seen it yet. I'm still looking. I'm still looking. Tom's seen it. Our friend Jesse, who went out with the kids, has been raised from the dead. You want his testimony, you can read it, or you can uh, talk to him about it. He'd be happy to tell you. He was gone. They wrote him off. He came back. Our God can do things beyond our asking and imagining. The king has come. A summary verse, Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news. It's good news. It's not just church. It's good news of the kingdom of God and healing every disease and sickness. And the Pharisees accuse him, oh, you're just doing this by the power of Satan. And Jesus says, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, no kingdom of God has come upon you. He's not even using his whole arm. He says, demon, go. Right? This is a kingly authority that has come among us. Kingly authority has come among us, is living among us. It wasn't just Jesus. He passed it out to his disciples, okay? So Matthew 10, 7. Jesus sends out the 12. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Don't take any extra money, etc. God will take care of that. Matthew 10, 16, the same passages. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves, etc. Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72. He wasn't happy with just 12. He thought, let's multiply this a little bit. So he sent out 72 others, and they had basically the same instruction. And they go and they come back all happy, and I'm sorry, I'm going to, oh, Luke 10, 19. I got to keep myself here, sorry. I get excited. 
Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Sounds good? However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So there's something even better than the king has come and is pouring out. There's something. He knows my name. He knows my name. He wrote it down. If he has a memory lapse, he can check James. Oh, he's okay. (laughs) He wrote it down in heaven. Okay. After the resurrection, John 20 and 21, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Anyone exempt? I'm going to read a little more of that. Verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, that sounds more like me, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side where the holes were. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Anyone want to try without the Holy Spirit? No, no, we don't want to do that. We want to wait for his breathing of Holy Spirit upon us. And then, when he sends us, we're going. Acts 8.1, a great persecution started after um, Stephen the martyr was stoned. The church was scattered, but those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So it looks bad, right? We're scattered. What if the police came, busted us, shut the doors in? It happens in other countries, right? You know, you're out of here. If you stay, you're dead, Right? So if you're out of here, then what are you going to do? Preach the word. Not, and I'm not talking gospel tracts, okay? It's just Jesus is alive in us. This is what he did for me. This is what he did for my mom. This, he saved me because I was such, so guilty about this and that. So Jesus, preach the word. How, you know, in you, in you. Okay. Um, So wherever they go, they proclaim the good news of the kingdom. There's lots of others. Paul in Ephesus, um, he he did extraordinary miracles there. Even the hankies, you don't want to see my hankies, sorry. Um, Even the hankies that were taken from Paul's presence were healing people and stuff like that. So God was doing extraordinary outpourings of power among them. Paul, when he's in Rome in captivity, he calls the Jewish leaders together, and he witnessed to them from morning to evening, this is Acts 28, 17, He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. It didn't go so well. Um, All of this, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, all of this is from God, this kingdom outpouring. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Anyone exempt? that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Wow, I'd rather hear it from God. But he's using us. I mean, yeah, okay. God making his appeal through us. What humility of God. Right? To say, yeah, I'll use, I'll use you. I'll use you. Because he's got life in us, right? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Great commission, Matthew 28. This is all preview, okay? We're getting to the main thing short. The great commission, all authority, Jesus says, has been given, sorry, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is a king talking. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Got some plenty other wannabe authorities around that challenge this, right? But Jesus says, last word, all authority is given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age, the very end of the age. So Jesus is checking out, but he gave us a job assignment. Makes it a little scary, but... I will be with you 
always to the very end of the age. We don't see him, but he's here. He, we don't see him, but he's here. You don't see him when you leave. He is with you. Never leave you. Okay. Now, this is kind of the main crux of what I want to talk about, is the now and not yet part. Because I believe all this of Jesus with all my heart. And yet, how we live is so shallow. I, okay, I lost my job as a bus driver for six months. They let me back, so that's good news. But I was going, okay, I trust God as my provider and all of this kind of stuff. But it's like, do I really trust God or do I trust the company to give me a paycheck? And these things that I know in my head went way deeper than I thought. And so there's a disconnect between what we believe and the kingdom of God that is here and the, the not yet part. We're not seeing it yet. I don't know how he's going to provide for me. There's things we don't see and we wonder about those things and they tear us up. So I want to talk a little bit about the not yet aspects of the kingdom. We said how many ways it's come, okay? The Pharisees in Luke 17 asked Jesus, when is the kingdom of God coming? They're, opposed, they're kind of antagonistic. And Jesus says, the, kingdom of com the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. So look a little deeper. He went on to tell them a parable in Luke 19, 11. He went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. And he tells the parable of the, the talents buried and all that stuff. The king has made a deposit, but he's gone for a while and he's going to come back and ask for the result of what he has deposited with us. To Nicodemus, you know the passage, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. So if I'm looking with my eyes and I haven't been born again, well, no wonder I can't, I haven't, there's not the inner transformation, the aliveness to the spirit that lets me see that the kingdom of God is here. But now what about us? Are we living in our old eyes or are we living a little deeper? No one can see the kingdom of God unless we're born again. So I want his new life, that new birth that he has done in me to change my vision a little broader, not just what I touch and feel, okay? Um, Luke 19, I'm sorry, John 19, 10 and 11, Pilate was mad at Jesus because Pilate said, don't you realize you, I have the power to free you or crucify you? And Jesus said to Pilate, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. What you having for lunch? But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. How are you going to measure that? How are you going to find it? I'm hungry. I'd rather have lunch. Righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. So that's something you can't measure and say, yeah, it's here. Kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. 1 Corinthians 4.20. Flesh and blood, 1 Corinthians 15.50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So are you living perishable or are you living imperishable? See, we've got to choose these things, and it's all hard because it's abstract. We haven't seen it. We don't know how to put it into practice. I want to say one little aside, um, just one second, on unanswered prayer, because this is one, my, biggest, my biggest argument with God is the delay to answers of prayer, okay? I, I mean, he knows this. It's not like it's a secret. And he's given me some scriptures that help me deal with unanswered prayer. For one, there's one of the Psalms, I didn't even look it up, but he says he, he put our tears in a, in a bottle or in a wineskin. You cry to God, he, he doesn't just waste that. He doesn't just wipe it away. He collects it. He knows every tear. A mustard seed is hidden, or the plants in the garden, he says, unless this kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single of seed. So how are you going to see that it's growing if it's still in your hand, right? So our prayers, not just kingdom of God, but think of our prayers that way. Uh, we have put it in the ground of his provision, of his care. 
we can let it rest there. It will grow in time. Okay, this is, I'm just telling you how I deal with unanswered prayer. Okay, I haven't seen it yet, but it's coming. Okay, yeast in bread, we don't see it, but it changes the whole loaf. Our prayers, we don't see it right away. It changes things. One more. Our prayers are like the incense bowls in heaven. Revelation 5, 8 where the prayers of the saints are being held in bowls in heaven. And when the time comes, they will be poured out on the earth. So maybe our incense bowl, I'm going, God, I'm crying out. My heart is breaking. We're crying out and nothing's happening. And we've been there. What are you doing, God? Don't you see my heart? Don't you see their need? And we're, our hearts are breaking, right? And we don't see anything. Even some of us die before we see it, right? Can that prayer be incense in God's bowl? He's not wasting it. He's not forgotten it. When the time's right, he's going to pour it out on earth. Revelation 8, 4, and 5, he pours it out, and a lot happens. Okay. So unanswered prayer, he's still working. The um, still-to-come aspects of the kingdom. The, almost the last word in the Bible is Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Now, he said it's finished, but he ain't come yet. <laughs> so, and even to the very end of the Bible, they're saying, come, Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, because things are not so good in all the way through the Bible. It's still a battle. It still hurts. Come, Lord Jesus. And then the scripture is full of references to his coming again and his return in power, the final resurrection, changing our bodies to be like his glorious body. James and John get, want to be in on the story, so they say, Lord, we want seats at your right hand and your left hand. Their mama set them up, or they set their mama up, I'm not sure which, ask for those seats. And Jesus, Jesus says, sorry, not mine to give. But see, they're looking ahead. They're down here. There's a not yet aspect, but they're looking to a seat by his side in heaven. See, that's the good side of it. It's like, I want to be at your right hand. Man, that's a little bit egotistical, but we can relate to that too, can't we? Okay. Judgment aspects of the kingdom of God. The kingdom has come, but the kingdom is coming. And there's judgment that we're waiting for that we haven't seen yet. Sheep and goats. He separates the sheep from the goats. As much as you did to the least of these, you did to me. We ain't been separated yet. We're all mixed together. The, the, the narrow door. People want to enter, but they can't. That's in Luke 13, 24. Luke 13, 28, 29. People come to the north and south and east and west and sit down at the table with the king at the final banquet. We haven't seen that yet, have we? I mean, we're getting kind of close here sometimes, but there's going to be something in heaven that we haven't seen yet that'll be like this times a zillion. There's a stone in the prophet, uh, prophecy of Daniel, Daniel 2, 3, and 4. I'm sorry, Daniel 2, verse 34. And there's a stone, there's this huge statue set up by the emperor, and it's got a head of gold and all that stuff. And, but the stone is cut out, not by human hands, smashes the statue, smashes it until it's finished, and that stone comes and becomes, fills the whole earth, Daniel says. Okay, we haven't seen that yet. We might see the stone coming. We might see it starting to smash. I don't know how close we are, but it's coming, and we're not there yet, right? It's still, there's more to come. That's what I want to see. There's more to come that we haven't seen yet. Luke 21, the whole chapter, Jesus is talking about signs of the end, messiahs, wars, uprisings, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, persecutions. We're getting closer. Be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. There's an inheritance aspect, and Paul talks about if you do these bad things, you'll never inherit the kingdom of God. I'll give you some references. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. If you live in flesh and blood, you can't get what he has for you. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. The wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. And in Galatians 5, where we talk about the works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit, those who live like this, when he's talking flesh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. What do you want to inherit? Ain't seen it yet, but I want to inherit the kingdom of God. I don't want this stuff. This is good enough for a while. It will get us through, but it's not what I'm living for. 
Citizenship. Think about what citizenship meant to Paul. When he's getting flogged, he's a, okay, he's a Jewish guy, but he's a Roman citizen. He's about to get flogged, and he says, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen? And they freak out and say, are you a Roman citizen? He says, yes. And the guy says, I was born, I'm, I had to buy my citizenship. And Paul says, I was born a citizen. And they withdraw, and they wait until they get more data because he's a citizen of Rome. Now, Paul's saying for citizenship in the kingdom of heaven that we, he's talking to a no-name church. He's not talking to the 12 anymore. He's just talking to, you know, it'd be like he wrote to Bethel Christian Fellowship. You're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Your your citizenship is there, and that's where we're waiting the Savior from. Our citizenship. Got your passport? It might be an internal passport. You got your passport. Make sure where you're going. There is a price paid for citizenship, for the kingdom, for living for the kingdom. The greatest price Jesus already paid, and I was so glad that came out in worship, what he has done for us. Nothing could, there was no other way for us to come into this life. There's no other way. We can't just try to be better and better, and I'm better than Lynn, so I'm good. Stupid, right? There's no other way, but he paid so that we could be part of this, what he wants to do. He paid the greatest price. He was flogged. He was beat. He was crucified. The worst way they could find to kill someone, and they did it to him. King of Israel, crucified for us. So he paid the greatest price, but there is also a remaining price that if we want kingdom come, it ain't easy. And this is where I live right now, and it hurts like crazy. And I need the grace of God to keep on. Okay? It hurts. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the kingdom of God and the price that we pay when we're looking for it. Matthew 10, 16, Jesus says, we're sheep among wolves, etc. Sheep among wolves. Any sheep want to volunteer for that pasture? Matthew 10, 34, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace on earth, but a sword. This is Jesus talking, Prince of Peace. I didn't come to bring peace on earth, but a sword. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. And violent people have been raiding it. You can say advancing by force if you want. There's alternate translations. But it's not, he's not saying you just walk in and sit down and you're easy boy, you're lazy boy. What is the word for that? It's forcefully advancing. That implies there's force and counterforce. There's a battle on. Whoever wants to be my, Luke 9, 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, Follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. We did that already. After Stephen is stoned in Acts 9, a great persecution broke out. And godly men buried Stephen and mourned for him. And Saul began to destroy the church. We're in Acts 8. And going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. That happened in your house yet? Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. In Acts 14, Paul has been stoned, and he and Barnabas encourage the disciples to stay true to the faith, and he says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. This is a guy who's just been stoned, and he's still on the, in the battle. He said, I ain't quitting. They thought he was dead. They left him. He got up and went home. 2 Corinthians 6, 4, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, Oh, no troubles in the kingdom of God. Paul says in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distresses. You talking kingdom? In beatings? You talking kingdom? Imprisonments? Riots? Paul went through some riots. In hard work? I don't like that part. Sleepless nights? Hunger? purity in understanding, patience, kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left through glory and dishonor. 
through bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, still in the battle, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing, yet possessing everything. Kingdom of God, come, kingdom come. So how shall we live? I'm almost, we're getting, getting near the end here. What do we do with all this? How do we live? We've got the, where we see what he's done and we see the power unleashed and we see where we want to be and we see the price we got to pay and we see the things that haven't happened yet and it hurts. So how are we going to live? In um, Acts 1, they are told to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Basically, don't run out and try to do this on your own. They've seen the resurrected Christ and stuff like that, and he says, just wait, just wait. When the Spirit comes, you'll move. So I want to encourage you when I give a sort of challenge message, which is coming. We're not there yet. Um, when then I want to encourage you, when God challenges you to something, just make sure you got the Holy Spirit with you in it. Don't do it in your own power. You might need some flame. You might need some wind. You might need some fire. Okay? Don't do this on your own. Okay. Matthew 5, 6, 7, the whole Sermon on the Mount um, is instruction for us. The whole thing. It's not just I realize, and it's not just elite, spiritual. If you're really good, then you'll live this way. Um, and I'm going to give you a summary list. He gives to the needy, prays in secrets, not for show. He fasts in secret, not for show. Any fasting lately? I know some of you do. Um, treasure in heaven we live for, not treasure down here. How many graduates want treasure in heaven versus, oh, I want this job. Versus, what did they pay? This is how we're, I just lost my job. I just got it back. This is how we're oriented, treasure on earth, right? but I want my heart to want treasure in heaven, not down here. That's where I want to grow into. Okay, treasure in heaven. Living free of worries because God feeds the birds. Okay, God clothes the fields. Okay, so seek first his kingdom. And we don't judge others either. We ask God for, uh, you know, we, we don't come in saying better or worse than so-and-so. Um, come in by the narrow gate, etc. Okay, now this is the crux of for me, Matthew 5, 6, 7, the Sermon on the Mount, which I was always taught, you know, oh yeah, if you're really good, then... I, I was taught it like an ideal, like a theory, like a philosophy, instead of a how to live. But Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, you want to know what to do? Read Matthew 5, 6, 7. Try putting it into practice and see how you do. It's like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. What are you building on? The rain came. Rain's going to come. The streams rose. Stream's going to rise. The winds blew and beat against that house. The wind is going to blow and beat against your house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So that's what I want to learn to do, is live this, put it into practice. I'm not just trying to do my job well. I'm trying to live for the kingdom of God. Second major sort of overarch point that I would suggest or implore or challenge you in is if we can recalibrate our value system to be towards the kingdom of God instead of, God's, instead of man's way, okay? Bigger house, cool. You know, some houses you want to go to, some neighborhoods you want to go to, some you don't. Some, some food you want to eat, some you don't. We're calibrating our choices. I'll take this job because they pay more. We calibrate our choices by the worldly value system. And I want to ask you to consider, calibrate your value choices by the kingdom of God. Jesus said to, in John 6, 27, Jesus said to the crowd, they got a free meal and they were excited, they wanted to make him king. Jesus said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. You don't earn it, he gives it. You working for food that spoils? Colossians 3. Since then you have been crazed with Christ, set your 
hearts on things above, where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You died. Your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ appears, you'll appear with him. Set your heart. Where's your heart? There's stuff I know about in my head. Yeah, my mind's good. My heart's not so good yet. I'm getting there. I'm getting better. I'm still growing. Philippians 1, Paul's chains advanced the gospel. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's in prison. He's been busted. He, was, he had a good job. Then he went and joined the church, and it caused all sorts of problems. As a result, it has been clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else, I am in chains for Christ. That floors me. Why They all know why he's busted, and he sees it as a good thing. They know why I'm here. They know my chains are for Jesus. Let me tell you about this Jesus that is worth chains. Where are you living for? And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, confident in the Lord, and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Philippians 3, 7, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. I had it all before. I count it all loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. You know the verses. You know the life. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ. Yes, the power of his resurrection. Yes. Participation in his sufferings. No. Becoming like him in his death. No, I'm not there yet. (laughs) The call, friends, the call. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. We're not there. We've got a long way to go to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He didn't call you just to save you from trouble, but he called you to a prize in heaven. The prize for which he called me. I don't even know what he's got in mind. I want to see it. Okay. Um, One more in this, and then I'll start to close us. Um, our human nature, for if, if I'm going to live like this, I want to know who else is doing this. Am I going to be by myself here? Is there anyone you can show me that I can walk with in this? And the same thing happened to Peter at the end of the Gospel of John. Jesus resurrected Christ, has breakfast with him. Very cool story. And he takes Peter aside on one-on-one and says, Peter, my man, we got some talking to do. Because Peter had denied Christ and was ready to go back to fishing. And Jesus meets him at fishing, has his own fish. He says, Peter, let's talk, and tells him what he's got to do, and it includes feed the sheep, etc. Now, while Jesus and Peter are walking off, Peter looks around and sees John is following them. And And he says to Jesus, what about this guy? And Jesus says, basically, none of your business. You follow me. Sorry. Sorry. Okay, so how many times do we base our values, our choices, based on what we see around us? If you're in this kind of church, you'll live this way. If you're in that kind of church, you live that way. If you know these kinds of friends, my life changed a lot when I got out of college. My life changed a lot when I got out of my missionary parents' home in Korea. Very different lifestyle. My life changed a lot when I got married. My life changed a lot when I wasn't working. In life, anyway. So we look. Our, where? What are we setting our core toward? Are we looking at what about this guy, or are we looking to Jesus? Okay. So that's this. I'm imploring you to try to look beyond what we see. Easy. Okay. We do get some treasure when we live for the King, the King, Kingdom coming. Jesus said, John six thirty five. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Just a little aside. He'll never drive you away? That's a promise you got to think on some, because we always feel like we disqualify ourselves when we mess up, right? 
oh God, he's going to drive me away. I can't talk to Jesus today. After next week when I've forgiven and he's forgotten about it, then I'll come to Jesus. He who comes to me, I will never drive away. That's why he paid to let us in, okay, so that we can come as we are. We need that so bad. Okay. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I will lose none of those he has given me that raise them up at the last day. Feeling lost in the crowd? He says, I will lose none that the Father has given me. He knows your name. He wrote it down in case he has memory lapse. He'll check the list. Oh, I know you. I'll lose none. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. It's treasure coming, treasure coming. One more on this. I have learned, Philippians 4, 11, I have learned to be content, Paul says, whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need. I'm not saying it's all easy. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He calls it a secret. He learned the secret of contentment, and it's not based on what you had for lunch. It's not based on the raise you didn't just get or did just get. Contentment. And he's the one who said chains have advanced the gospel. He's the one they were talking last week about uh, praising God in the stocks, in the filthy prison, and they're praising God. Oh, I long for this because I'm, I'm guessing you know somebody who made it big, who got really rich and was supposed to be happy, and they're not really any happier than that. I know some people like that. You know, the movie stars, we were talking about that too. Movie stars who are rich and famous and they're miserable. Why are they killing themselves? Someone like me, maybe. You know what I mean? But where's the secret of contentment? And it's not about where you live, and it's not about what you're having for lunch. It's not even about how pretty your wife is. The secret of contentment. Learning that, and then we can have peace in the battle, okay? Peace in the battle. If I'm in chains... God, let that happen. And I'm going to use it for his kingdom, right? For the advance of the gospel. One last thing on this. Um, I want us, I want me, and I want us to abide in his presence. I know he's everywhere, right? But we can come. We can come closer or farther to the presence of Jesus, kind of like where our hearts are, where our spirits are. And I want, Jesus, I want you in me right now. I want, you know, and I say that on my bus too. Jesus, your presence. Jesus, your, I want your kingdom here on my bus. I don't want to be just a cog in the wheel. I want your kingdom here on my bus. And if this is too loud, Jesus, King, will you look at this? Teach me how to deal with this. Because I'm not here just for my paycheck. I'm here for the kingdom of God. Okay, so I long for us to live, abide in his presence through everything that comes. Let the living water flow. It ain't gonna run dry. Our water runs dry quick. His water never gonna run dry. Out of his soul, out of his heart, I forget, will spring the well of living water. He puts it in us and it pours out. It's not a limited supply. Fuel prices go up and down. Everything else goes up and down. The living water will flow. We've been doing a whole series on um, gifting in the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, if you want to look it up. And my longing for you guys is to... Don't just do the list, okay? <laughs> you can do the list, too, because if you haven't thought about where your gifting is, what God has deposited in you, we want to use that for kingdom come. We don't want to just use it to get good marks in church. Oh, they're really spiritual. That doesn't count for a whole lot. We want kingdom come, not just in the four walls, when we leave, full of the spirit, full of the spirit, so kingdom come. I'm, another quick aside, a block away from our house, the, the gas station that I go to most often, I'm one block away, I walk over there to buy milk. Um, a lady got beat up because she got in the middle of an 
of a kid's gang fight by mistake. She was just doing something. She was old. She shouldn't have got beat up. And I'm going, I was offended for the king because this is my territory, and I pray this territory. And I'm going, kingdom come, this is my gas station. How did these, this happen in my gas station? The lady whose body they couldn't find for a long time. It's my lake. I don't live by a lake, but that's where I go for my quiet times when I have time. My lake, and they threw the body in the lake. Go, Jesus, kingdom come. See, we're not there yet. So what I want is for us to take, um, uh, growing to do, yes, you got, I'm not there yet or it wouldn't have happened. Okay? But I want us to be infused to a new level with the Holy Spirit of God and our eyes open not just to our comfort, like Paul, not just our contentment, but also the mission, the advance of the gospel, the advance of the kingdom of God. If you live for that, it's purposeful when you get chained up instead of like, oh, this terrible crap happened to me, right? Might as well make it worth a purpose. So um, I'm imploring you to let Christ rule in you. Let him rule in you. What's that mean? It might have an effect on your video selections. It might have an effect on your movie selections. It might have an effect on your where your paycheck goes. Let him rule who's in charge. So let him do it. I mean, we say the words. Do we do it? Let Christ rule in you. Let Christ rule through you. There's a level of authority that we as believers full of the Holy Spirit have. So when that gas station happened, I was offended because I hadn't, I don't know if I prayed for that gas station. We, just by the way, we once took Thanksgiving dinner over to that gas station because there were workers working on a Thanksgiving night. And I thought, I want them to know the love of Christ at some level. So we just took it over and said, we're believers. Have some happy Thanksgiving. Sorry you have to work. Okay? So I care about the people around us. And when that gas station happened, I thought, Lord. Anyway, so let his authority rule through us. I'm still learning that one. I know some things, uh, bus, uh, I won't tell you the best story. I'll tell you the best story some other time. Anyway, the authority of Jesus rests upon us, and we can invoke it when we have to. And change happens. Change happens when we invoke the spirit of God, the authority that we have, not on my bus, not on my bus, said that. Um, I'm just going to say, Jim always says, Pastor Jim says, be a thermostat, not a, not a thermometer. The thermometer reacts to the temperature and shows what the temperature is. A thermostat says, oh, it's a little too cold. Let's turn on the heater, turn on the furnace. And I want us to live like that. When, when you go out there, go, oh, it's chilly. Oh, better turn it up. Don't just put on a sweater. Turn up the heat. The heat, turn up the heat. Jesus says we are the salt of the world, we're the light of the world. The salt gets kind of scattered out there. You know, you get all your salt in a salt, and Morton's salt thing, it doesn't taste too good. You put it in the right measure, the right place, and it, everything's better. Light of the world, we don't want to walk in darkness. Be the light, but we don't want all the lights clumped in one. If all the lights in your house were in one room, <laughs> you got a problem, right? So where are you going? Be a light bearer and seek to advance, advance the kingdom of God wherever you go. Seek your part, not Jim's part, not Tom's part, not Joel's part, my part. What's my part in advancing your kingdom? That's why we live, right? If we weren't going to do that, we might as well check out and go home right now. That's what I sometimes prefer. <laughs> but lots of people will say, no, don't do that. They get in trouble when I say that. I'm not supposed to admit that I want to be out of here. I want to be with him. I'm not doing so well. But while I'm here, let my chains advance the gospel. Okay. We are going to, I, I implore you, I'm, I'm going to say a prayer first, and, and, and then I'll tell you how we're going to end this. King Jesus, by your power, by your spirit, by your grace, by your living presence among your people, come now, here and now, this time, this place, come among us by your power. 
Lord Jesus, every heart that has things that are closed doors against you, I pray that you will, by your sovereign power, unlock those doors, that you'll show them that it's worth the battle, that it's worth the adventure, it's worth the advance, it's worth the investment to try to come into your kingdom, to seek your face and your values and not do it our own way anymore because that doesn't work so well and we know it. Jesus, I pray for your power your newness of life to come, the advance and the increase of your Holy Spirit in this room, in every heart in this room, this day forward, not leaving when you leave, but beginning as we go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is my prayer for this congregation, for everyone in this room, in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to do this a little different. Um, We're going to sing a hymn, worship team can come. I want to sing... Christ the Solid Rock, because, and I want to, it's an old hymn, it's got four verses, I'm sorry, but it's really good, because it talks about, it talks about his foundation, and it talks about the battle where we are, and it talks about where we're going in hope in Jesus, so it's worth singing, on Christ the Solid Rock, I stand, I'm not building on sinking sand, okay, so we're going to sing that, and then I'm going to give a benediction. And then if you feel like this touched deep and you want God to go a little deeper or you want to confirm it with a witness, then you can come up. After we sing this, after I give the benediction, I'm happy to pray. I'm delighted to pray with people. And we've got other prayers around as God leads you guys. Other prayers, pay attention. As God leads you, then come pray. Um, and then, then we'll do, they will continue with worship after that. And then, but I'm going to give the benediction after we do on Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. Okay, please stand for a moment. I'm going to give you the benediction that Paul used in 2 Corinthians. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name, amen. They're going to sing some more. You can stay and pray. Uh, You can leave if you need to. You are dismissed in the peace of Jesus, but advance the kingdom when you go. Don't just say, well, that's done with. Okay. You're welcome to stay in worship and pray.